I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father. You do that which you have seen of your father. They answered him and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard from God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is the liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which one of you convinceth me of sin? Our name, the unchanging word, reflects the fact that the eternal word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Our study in the Gospel of John here on the Unchanging Word continues in chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. Here our Lord in this passage speaks to those Jews who had believed in Him, and He offers them deliverance from sin if they would abide in His Word. If they will continue in His Word, they will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. So, listen, how important is it for you and me that we stay in His Word? This is the mark of a true disciple. And Dr. Mitchell will state that one's fellowship with the Lord will diminish when we neglect the Word of God, even though we may not stop praying. And it is so important to continue in God's Word day by day, asking the Lord to open one's heart to what He would say in looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Well, turn with us to John chapter 8, verse 31 with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. We pray today that as we come our studies in the gospel through John, that the Lord will, in a very precious way, open up your mind and heart to the truth. How I long for people to see the glory and the beauty and the majesty, and shall I add the grace and tenderness and compassion of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I am fully persuaded that there are thousands of people in America who have heard the name of Jesus, who know there is such a book as the Bible, but are totally ignorant of what God has given to us in His Son, totally ignorant of the redemption that He has provided for sinful man, and totally ignorant of who Jesus is. Quite a few have a distorted idea concerning Him. 
It is because of this that I've taken up with you the gospel through John, studies in the gospel through John. And as we have said so often, the fulfilling of Isaiah 40, verse, verse 9, say unto the cities of Judah, Behold, you are God. And we've been dealing in the eighth chapter of, of this gospel through John with the fact that Jesus claimed many things. He claimed to be the light of the world. Not to follow him means to walk in darkness. And remember when Jesus made that statement, he also knew the wonderful truth as related to us in the epistle of John, in chapter 1, verse 5, where John writes, This is the message which we declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Hence, not to follow him means to walk in darkness. And then our Lord is revealed as the great deliverer. And we're dealing with that from verses 21 to 36. He's the one who liberates people. He liberates them from death. But they must be trust in the one who has defeated death. Our Lord became a man that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver us who through fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. He must die to put away sin. He must rise from the dead to defeat death. And when he offers to you a salvation that is perfect and complete, he guarantees that salvation. He not only guarantees that he will forgive you every sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, but he also guarantees to give you life eternal. And the foundation for this is because he died on the cross for us. We had that in verses 28 and 29. The ground for the deliverance is his death and resurrection. And now we come to the next one. He not only delivers us from death, and the ground of that deliverance is his death and resurrection, but he also is the great deliverer from slavery. And you find this in verses 31 to 36. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If you continue, if you abide, if you stay in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How, how, what do you mean? You shall be made free. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, the bond slave of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Now let me stop here. He not only is the great liberator from death, but he also liberates from slavery. Who would you say, we're not slaves? Well, now let's look at this for a moment. And by the way, may I say the people to whom he was speaking, if I may quote from them in verse, in verse 33, they said to Jesus, we be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. It's just like people trying to lift themselves up by their bootstraps. They were under slavery to two things while they were talking to Jesus. They were slaves to Rome. In fact, they just hated Rome. They were under the bondage of Rome. And they were also under the bondage of sin. 
and they were under the bondage of the law. As Peter could say in Acts 15, a burden which neither we nor our fathers could bear. Now let's look at this for a moment. First of all, he said to these Jews who claimed to believe on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Here again we have our Savior beginning to draw a strong line between professors and those who were real in their belief. Now he is saying to these who claim to believe on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Listen, friend, we are not disciples of the Savior unless we stay in the word of God. Now, I, I, I spoke some time ago and gave a series on discipleship. Allow me to repeat this. A person can be a Christian. This is a matter of relationship, of believing in the Savior. But when that relationship is established, he wants us to continue on to be his real disciples. And to be a disciple of the Savior, you must abide, stay in the Word of God. How can I be an obedient disciple of Christ if I do not know his Word? How can I manifest my love for the Savior if I do not know what he wants me to do? I, I, I must confess this, and I must say it. And I don't mind saying it. There are a great many people who profess to love the Savior, but you wonder if it's really true. If one has a love for the Savior, you will have a love for men and women. You'll have a love for his people. And love is demonstrated by being obedient to the Word of God. And love is demonstrated by sacrifice for others. This was so true in our Lord's life. He manifested his love for his Father by obedience. He manifests his love for you and me by sacrifice. For God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Likewise with us believers, if I claim to love the Savior, I'll manifest my love for him by being obedient to his word. I will manifest my love for you by sacrifice. Now Jesus said, the other thing, if, if you're my disciples, you, you'll abide in my word. And then he adds this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You know, I know Christians, I'm going to be very frank about it, I know Christians who are bound by certain sins. They, they do many, many, many good things. They pray. They do many good things. But they're out of fellowship with God. Why? Because they've abandoned the word of God. As a pastor for many years, I've dealt with hundreds of people. And oftentimes, I've met with Christians who are out of touch with God, out of fellowship with the Lord. I'm not questioning their salvation, their relationship. I do question their fellowship. Now, Jenny asked the question, what was the first step in your indifference in your getting away from the Lord? And most of the time, they will answer, we stopped reading the Word of God. They didn't stop praying but they stop reading the Word of God. And friend, I'm saying very frankly to you, if you don't stay in the Word of God, then something else will come into your life that will be dishonoring to the Savior. You remember that David wrote in the 119th Psalm, verses 9 and 11, 
Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? But by taking heed according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. You see, we are born of the word of God, as James 1.18 says, of his own will begat he us by the word of truth. Likewise, 1 Peter 1.23 and 4, we have been born again of the, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Jesus said in John 15.3, you're clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. In Ephesians 5.26, Paul writes that he might cleanse the church by the washing of water by the word. What I'm trying to get to your heart today is the fact we can't afford to neglect the word of God. I, I, I say it very kindly. I'm sometimes appalled at the ignorance of Christians concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, the one they profess to love and believe amazed at their ignorance of the truth of God that is revealed to us in the Scriptures. And it's because of this ignorance of the truth that their lives are what they are. That's why there's so much confusion above God's people. Now, I guarantee to you, my Christian friend, if there's something in your life and you've prayed and you've fasted and you couldn't get rid of it, you wondered why, I suggest you take the Word of God and ask the Lord to make the Word very precious to you. And the book is very clear. Jesus said, we're clean through the Word. He might cleanse the church by the Word. David could say, thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way but by taking heed according to your Word. Nothing will take the place of the Word of God in the life of any individual. And I'll be very frank to confess to you that I, am, I know of men who have been alcoholics who have been delivered from alcoholism just by reading the Word of God. Of course, they've got a mean business. No question about that. But they were weak. They went to the Word of God, read and reread and reread the Word of God. It did something in their lives. Now, it may be you've got something else in your life. You've prayed about it. You've prayed about it. You've prayed about it and still you couldn't get deliverance. And it's bothered you. It's hindered you in your service for the Lord. It hinders you in your life. Take the Word of God. Read it and reread it and reread it. Well, Mr. Mitchell, I read it, and I get so little out of it. I tell you, my friend, even though your mind may not be enlightened as to what it all means, it'll do something for you in your life. Jesus said in John six sixty three. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and are life. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to get into the word of God? This is what he's saying to these Jews who believed on him. If you abide, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And then they, these Jews, they didn't like that. We were never in bondage to any man. As I said a while ago, they were under the bondage of sin. They were under the bondage of the law. They were under the bondage of Rome. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant, the bond slave of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. He's the great liberator from slavery, from the slavery of sin. And he does this on the ground that he died for your sin. Friend, I firmly believe that Jesus Christ is the answer 
to the cry of your heart for deliverance from sin. Jesus is the only one I know in the whole universe that can deliver you from sin. And when you come as a sinner and accept him, and the only qualification to be saved is to be a sinner who will put their trust in the Savior. He never tells good people, religious people. He calls sinners to repentance. And he's waiting for you to do that. And if you acknowledge that you are a sinner, he's the one who is able to set you free. For whomsoever the Son sets free is free indeed. And then continue to read the Word of God. And then you more and more will experience that liberation that comes from being in Christ Jesus. Now, starting at verse 37, and reading right on down through verse 51, our Lord claims to be sinless. Now, mark the claims thus far in the chapter. I am the light of the world. I am the great deliverer from, from death. I'm the great deliverer from slavery. And the ground of this deliverance is going to die on a cross, and be buried, and be raised again from the dead. Now he makes the great claim to be sinless. Verses 37 to 51. Notice it, please. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father. You do that which you have seen of your father. Now listen, Jesus Christ is making a tremendous cleavage that there are two families in the world. Two families. I speak that which I have seen with my father. And you Jews do that which you have seen with your father. Two families. They answered him and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard from God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is the father, the liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which one of you convinceth me of sin? What a tremendous passage of Scripture. Let me just pick it up and, can I say, it, pull it to pieces for a moment. Notice Jesus said in verse 37, I know you are Abraham's seed. In verse 39, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Jesus here is talking about two families. I want to be very clear about this. Listen, he is saying to Jews who claim that Abraham was their father. 
His answer was, I'm in one family, you are in another family. I have my father, you have your father. You say that Abraham's your father. I say he's not your father. You are Abraham's seed, that is, in fleshly descent, you came from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. I know you are Abraham's seed in the physical. But if you are Abraham's children, spiritual children, you'd believe on me. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says, as many as are of the children of Abraham. Those who are of faith are the children of Abraham. In the Gospel through Luke, chapter 19, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Now is salvation come to this house because he also is a child of Abraham. Now remember, Zacchaeus was a Jew. He was a descendant of Abraham. But Jesus said, Now is this day salvation come to this house because he's a child of Abraham. Which forces me to make the statement as you read your Bible, please notice, especially in your prophets, there is the nation Israel, who are the descendants of Abraham. There is the godly seed, who are the children of Abraham. Do you mean there are, there are two Israels? Yes, if you want to put it that way. There's the natural seed of Abraham, the physical seed, the nation Israel. And there is spiritual Israel. These are the children of faith. Now, Jesus here says, I know you are Abraham's seed, the physical descendants of Abraham. But if you were Abraham's children, you'd believe me. You see what I mean? The children of Abraham. And he makes a complete division. There are two, there are two families. Did you hear me? There are two families in the world. There's the children of God. There's the children of the devil. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. You don't belong to my father. I'm in a different family. You know, there are those who say we're all one family. That there's one God and we're all his children. Jesus didn't believe that. Jesus did not believe in the common fatherhood of God and the common brotherhood of man. Jesus never taught that. All through from chapter 5 right on down through chapter 8, which we're dealing with now, over and over and over again, the Lord has made a tremendous distinction. You are of this world. I am not of this world. You are of your father, the devil. You don't belong to my father. You're Abraham's seed, but you're not Abraham's children. You are of this world. I am not of this world. You belong to one family, I belong to another family. As I said here uh, in the preceding lesson, there are two camps, God's camp, the devil's camp. When a person is saved, they're translated out of the devil's camp, out of the kingdom of darkness, and are translated into the kingdom of God's Son. Now listen, friend, it's Jesus who made these statements, not me. He's the one who said, you and I are in two different families. You are of your father, the devil. I am of my father. And what I say is true. And what you say is not true because your father is a liar. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's the father of lies. And because I tell you the truth, 
you don't believe me. Am I talking to you today, my friend? Have I made it clear enough? There are just two races. There's just two families. Death reigns in one, and they reign in life in the other. You find that in John, Romans chapter 5, 12 to 21. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you have never accepted the Savior to accept him? He's the great deliverer from sin. He's the great deliverer. And friend, you can be saved today by putting your trust in him. That's all. He that believeth on me shall never see night and shall never see death. Do it today. I praise him, I praise him for tokens of his wondrous grace. And though I love him dearly Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. Our teacher has been Dr. John G. Mitchell. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.